we know now that people everywhere have are used to online payments and online interactions and really I say look to that model look to your Amazon shopping cart for example that's the model that students want it's going to be quick and easy and straightforward and, and not intrusive at all welcome to focus a podcast dedicated to the business of higher education I'm your host Heather Richmond and we will be exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's higher learning institutions. Today I'm speaking with Carl Kaig from the Canberra Institute of Technology about modernizing their payment system and the transformation that improved the experience for both students and staff. Hi Carl, so great to catch up with you today. Thanks, it's great to be here. You know, we've been talking about getting you on the podcast for quite some time, and I'm so glad we were finally able to make it work. So we have a lot to talk about today, but can you go ahead and give us a quick overview of your background? Sure. So I've, um, I've worked in a variety of industries over the years. I, my background is primarily in accounting, finance, and IT. Certainly, I've done a lot of systems development, a lot of financial work, a lot of business restructuring as well. I've worked in a lot of industries, uh, from biotech through to research and development, economics consultancy, public practice accountancy, government, and uh, now in education. Wow, that's that's quite a list of industries you've been in there. How about now, let's talk a little bit about CIT and the students that you serve. So CIT is what we call in Australia a TAFE, which uh, to those in the United States, similar broadly to the community college model. We do do above and beyond the community college model in terms of educational space. We do a lot of the traditional trades in what we call the apprenticeship model here in, in Australia which is where students do a combination of theoretical and hands-on learning between both us and an employer that they're working for. We also operate in the higher education sector, particularly in the university space. We do offer degree and bachelor programs as well. It does mean that we're a fairly complicated organization and it does present its own unique challenges. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like having that variety of educational programs definitely makes for probably a pretty complex payment system. So can you talk a little bit about maybe how that's impacted taking payments across campus? Uh, that is certainly one of the, the trickiest <laughs> parts for us to operate in, unfortunately. Uh, because we operate at so many different educational levels, we're regulated by different levels of government, okay. especially when it comes to funding and student payment for those programs. We've got programs that students pay the full fee for. We have programs that are subsidized by our local state government. We have programs that are entirely free, subsidised by the state government under a different scheme. We have apprenticeships which have their own particular contestable funding where we have to actually compete for that funding for each student. We have uh, other programs where the student has to pay a full fee, but they're eligible for a government subsidised loan. Um, all of these operated by different government departments at different levels of government, both federal and state. Uh, obviously, the communication between those departments and those levels isn't as great as it could be, yeah. and the systems don't always talk to each other. So we've got lots of different funding buckets, as it were, for to support these students, a lot of different um, Im impacts on what the students have to pay, and obviously that makes our payment model fairly complicated. I don't know, Carl. That doesn't sound very complicated at all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and so I know a lot of that was probably your motivation to really looking at how do I get my arms around this and, and really having a new system in place to help manage all those different payment sources, right? That's right. Well, what we had was as a result of evolution over many years was essentially a, a very real manual system. Uh, often payments had to be calculated manually, um, even when they could be done automatically, various options had to be applied manually, particularly if students were 
eligible for one scheme, but they needed to apply for a scholarship or a fee assistance, or they had to verify the concession status if they were eligible for a concession under that particular scheme. And just because they were eligible for a concession under one scheme doesn't mean they were eligible for a concession under another scheme. So there's a lot of manual handling and a lot of manual intervention. And then that um, just compounded when it came to the actual process of taking money off students, which again was a very manual face-to-face -face process. Yeah, I bet. And and I know that probably on one side, when you said, gosh, I really need to get a system in place or a, a new solution, you know, implementing any kind of new system is a lot of work. And so sometimes I know that's probably where the, there's a time delay, a reluctancy to do that. Was there really a breaking point that other than all the complexity we just talked about, that's like, stop, this has just got to change. Well, I don't think there was one particular breaking point. It, it's almost like boiling the frog. It's just a little change at a time and a little change at a time and a little change at a time building mm -hmm. up over the years. And eventually we got to the point um, going through yet another issue that had come up and trying to resolve it and just taking a step back and realising the mess that we were we were in. It was several years ago now and we were certainly looking not just at where we were now but also looking towards the future really we, we just relaunched a new strategic plan for the institute and certainly a real focus on that customer service on the digital online enrollment process as right. we're expanding into the online environment as many educational institutions are and clearly when you're going into that space the online space with any force it's not an option to force people to turn up to your campus to make their payments yeah, you got to have an option for them to do it at, at their time, right, and in their way. <laughs> That's right. If um, you're ha offering an online enrollment model where students don't have to set foot on your campus, it somewhat defeats the purpose if they then have to set foot on your <laughs> campus just to complete the enrollment process. That's a really good point. So uh, just kind of curious, though, since this really, you know, probably impacts several places around campus, can you touch on maybe how this decision was made and if there was a committee or who all was maybe involved to really make this happen? It was interesting. It was almost a ground up initiative at CRT. While we certainly had the strategic direction set by the board and the executive, uh, the a lot of uh, grassroots staff across the organisation were becoming increasingly and acutely aware of some of the issues we were facing. And certainly at my level, there was um, trying to operationalise the plan and looking at the issues that we were currently facing. So it really wasn't one person's decision. It was probably more mine than anybody else's, but I, mm. I do emphasise it really was the Institute as a whole almost decided uh, at the time that we really want to get into this future. We really want to move in the strategic direction we've set forward. We know where the markets are going. We know where our students are going. Right. What we've got at the moment isn't going to meet that future need. And we as a collective organisation need to step, step up and change our practices. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so just kind of thinking back at the kind of evaluation process and, and looking at different options, um, how was the decision made to go with the Lucian Payment Centre by TouchNet? Well, we do run Aleutian Banner as our um, student information management system. And so obviously a system that was not just compatible with, but integrated well with that right. was obviously a must do. We really had to make sure that our, as a government owned entity, that um, the government was happy with our requirements, that they that whatever solution we had was a secure solution that obviously worked well with the Australian payment environment. We had to make sure that whatever we implemented was simple and straightforward and easy, not just for students, but also for staff right. as well. Often I find with system procurement that that staff part tends to get overlooked. You can have a very great, good front end, 
for a customer experience. Right. But if your back end requires two dozen staff running around patching things up, it's not such a good a good implementation for that organization. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like we've sort of seen through the years things ebb and flow where there's a focus just on making it easier for the staff and then the students suffer or we make it so easy on the students that then the staff suffer. So you're absolutely right. Kind of getting that balance was probably really key, right? That's right. Yes. And so when we were evaluating providers, we were looking at all stages of the process. How easy was it was for students? How easy was it for staff? When things inevitably go wrong and a student's paid the wrong amount, how easy was it to fix that up? How easy mm -hmm. was it to issue refunds to students? How well did the products and the gateways interact with the, the Australian banking environment? And what experience that vendors had with particularly with our system in particular and what the international experience was as well yeah it's a good point it's it's one thing to it's easy to make it all work it's when there's a hiccup or problem that is the defining factor if you can fix it right <laughs> that's that's exactly right things can and do go wrong and as, as no matter what information you give people somebody somewhere is going to do the wrong thing not necessarily through any fault of their own sure and so a key Part that we find again off that's often overlooked when customer facing systems is it, when something inevitably does go wrong how easy and how quick is that for staff to rectify that issue absolutely so kind of thinking through the flow so we you know went through the uh you know acquiring the technology but then also thinking about implementation did you have some you know kind of early wins or what did you see immediately that was really a success when you implemented there was really it was almost a game changer right from the start i have to say um Again, the very manual processes that we had before were very cumbersome, very error-prone, a lot of staff effort. And as soon as we started uh, with TouchNet right from the early days, it, that we saw improvements and benefits straight away. Um, we've certainly been able to track payments much more readily than we could under the old manual system. Our reconciliations were went from being a days-long process to, to really almost a non-issue. Wow. Um, can, the ability to issue um, cancellations and refunds right from the get-go was uh, a major win for us. Uh, prior to this, again, part of our system setup, we had to use government banking system rather than our own banking system okay. due to government requirements. It wasn't necessarily our choice, but uh, we had to do that. The trouble is that uh, a student could certainly make a payment into our accounts quite easily. But if a student then needed to be refunded, we had to actually go through a government refund system, which oh. if everyone's ever worked with government financial systems, <laughs> I don't think many of them around the world are set up for easy refunds. Right. Uh, that took between four to six weeks on average for a student to actually get their money in their bank account oh, from the wow. time that we said, right, we need to issue a refund. Now, that's not exactly great customer service. No. It's obviously a, um, ticks a lot of boxes in government uh, paperwork, but in terms of our specific use case where we're not really a government interaction here. It's not a government transaction. Um, that was a major headache for us and a headache for the students, obviously. So being able to issue refunds through the TouchNest system immediately without going through that process, that was probably one of the biggest initial wins for us. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't imagine four to six weeks waiting from a student perspective, but also can't imagine the process that you had to go through to go through the government <laughs> system. <laughs> It, it was amazingly cumbersome because the government assumes that every time they're paying somebody money, they're obviously a, a contractor or a supplier to government. So we oh, had to have yeah. students go on to a government website, register, them, register themselves as suppliers, 
put in their bank account details, uh, their taxation status and so forth, just to receive, you know, potentially a $40 refund. Oh, my goodness. It's hard for students sometimes to put that in to get money immediately, let alone <laughs> wait four to six weeks. That's right. That's right. So the TouchNet system bypassing all that, that was probably one of the, the biggest wins we, re we realized straight away. That's amazing. When, And, you know, we can't think about the last couple of years without talking about COVID and sending us all into lockdown, especially you guys in Australia. Um, so how did that really impact your implementation and payment system? And, you know, is there anything that you learned during that time that you're like, this is what we're going to do post pandemic going forward? Yeah, well, I mean, our implementation of TouchNet, I think, was very fortuitously timed as as, a, as around the start of the pandemic that we implemented TouchNet. Um, and I really don't know how we would have coped without it during that. It's, and, you know, that's an illustration. We've been talking for, you know, many years prior. This is the strategic direction as an organisation we want to move into. This is where the market's moving. This is where our students are. Everyone's talking about moving online. Right. Uh, and doing online delivery and seamless, you know, face-to-face -face, or non-face-to-face -face student management practices but there's been a lot of talk and very little ac action sure when COVID came along and particularly in Australia here where we did have some an initial some very strong very harsh lockdowns they did um that that was a real wake-up call for everyone everything that we've been talking about for years we now suddenly had to put into practice right. and it's amazing when you finally got that push, how much all the reasons to not do it just melt away. And within about three months, uh, we went from zero to 100 in this space and it really wow. became the norm quite quickly. We had an existential threat here and that really put things into perspective. Being able to switch almost our entire delivery to online learning in such a short period of time, I don't think it would have been possible without that push that COVID gave us. And again, with payments uh, and enrolment processes, again, when we, students weren't able to physically attend the campus due to a lockdown, we, we didn't, again, we didn't have a choice. We had to have an online payment system that worked and an online enrolment system that worked for students where they didn't have to have somebody physically guiding them through the process or physically taking them through the process. Again, something we'd talked about for years, but that finally drove us to actually make implement it and make sure that it was working fine. And TouchNet was around at just the right time for us for that. That's great. Yeah, it makes a big difference when you go from it'd be nice to have to we have to have. <laughs> That's right. And it's, you know, if we'd let the time, if COVID wasn't there and we'd let the clock run, we would probably will have reached that point in five or six years anyway. But in five or six years, not a year or two ago. And, COVID itself obviously wasn't a good thing and, you right. know, we would have been a lot better off without it. But, you know, good things did come out of that experience. We, it really did force us to take that future state that we've been talking about. And people did realise the benefits, everything from flexible work, work arrangements through to flexible study arrangements, right. businesses in general, moving to more of an online model and online transactions and ordering model. And that's really where we found ourselves in that space too. Uh, when the restrictions lifted, there's you know, a big temptation to immediately snap back to where we were before. You know, oh, COVID's over. We don't have to worry about it right. anymore. Go back to where we were before. But, but the world has changed. Absolutely. Everyone's now, you know, people who never did online grocery ordering before are now doing it routinely. It's their, their preferred method, for example. The world has changed and we really need to make sure that we stay changed with the world and not revert back to a world that just doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. I'm so thankful I don't have to go to a grocery store anymore. 
<laughs> so, so how about now? So you're back into let's say the word normalcy. Um, what what's it look like now on campus? It's well, essentially normal. Yes, we've um, we did have some challenges during the lockdown periods because not all of our training can be offered face to face, of course, particularly where we're doing hands on practical training. Uh, for example, for electricians, we can certainly train them in the theory online, but when it comes to actually soldering components and doing physical wiring, we do have to assess that um, in person. So that was always a challenge for us during the lockdowns and being able to negotiate restriction, well, small restrictions with government was a key part of that process. But now that we're return, we don't have the restrictions anymore, we can do things still, we're still aware that there's still COVID out there and still, it's not not entirely out of the woods now, but doing things sensibly and practically. It's certainly a lot easier now that we can bring people back onto campus en masse, that we can do that face-to-face training that where it's appropriate. We're really still not letting go of those gains that we did make during the COVID period though. We still um, have the same number of staff on campus. We haven't reduced the staffing at all, but we are doing different, different jobs, different roles. Right. different staff so staff that were previously helping students through the enrollment payment process for example now do more concierge student services to students which is more evaluating processes we really had the entire process shaken up with the enrollment process moving to a fully online payment model moving to a fully online enrollment model right. and we're still keeping those wins going forward so it's certainly if you're looking around a campus there's certainly a lot of students around now a lot more than there were right. a year or two ago but uh, as the student experience goes, I think certainly the administrative part of that experience is a lot cleaner now than it was before COVID. Absolutely. And it sounds like, too, like a lot of schools we hear kind of transitioning that staff member from being, I'll say, kind of more of the cashier, I'm just taking your payments, to really being more of that customer service advisor in the event that they need help because so much can now happen automatically and online. That's right. And one of the things we have noticed post-COVID is that people are looking for more flexible arrangements. They're frequently studying as well as working, or they're sometimes studying two things at once. They want a little more flexibility. It's not the, we've very rarely had that standard full-time student model here in the TAFE sector. A lot of our students are already employed and they're looking to change their profession or upskill in their existing role. And we've always had a long, long, a large part of our organisation working with those students. But we've seen that a bit more coming through. People are more interested in flexible options, what their optionalities are. It's less about, oh, how do I pay for my enrolment and more about what my enrolment options are. So being able to reposition our staff to provide that service they're wanting now, that works very well. And we've been able to do that because we've freed up a lot of their time and effort by um, simplifying our payment system, amongst others. Absolutely. And then do you see a shift of really how the students are paying in terms of when they're making that payment? Are you are you changing some processes around that? Yes, I mean, prior to TouchNet, we really had an option. Well, I wouldn't really say it's an option that there was the default, really. Students didn't have to actually pay on their enrollment. We would oh. issue them an invoice and with a due date. That was generally several weeks in the future, often after they started studying. Uh, we would then have to chase them up for payment. If they hadn't paid, we'd eventually have to cancel enrollment, which is a very manual process right. uh, we obviously carried a, a fair bit of credit risk on that with those operations there so with touchnet we've really been able to cut that down significantly because we had to previously have delays in the system for payments to come through when students would pay through 
the government shop front. So it would generally take uh, between two and three days to, for that payment to actually hit our books. So we wouldn't actually know if the student had fully paid or not. Now we can see in real time who's right. actually paid. We give them that prompt and that referral to the payment gateway right at the point of enrolment. We find the vast majority of students take, the, take us up on that. So not all, um, sure. but we do find it's a lot easier when we are chasing up pay those payments that are outstanding now. We can reduce our times that we've got to, for people to pay. We can reduce our grace periods. And when we're contacting people for our payments, we can really direct them to the payment gateway right at that point in time. So we've certainly seen a dramatic increase in the number of students who have paid their fees on time under the TouchNet payment system. That's great. And I think just like you were saying earlier, too, when it's integrated and just kind of part of that flow, it's sort of top of mind and they just think, oh, this is just part of the process. I enroll and I pay. That's right. And that's where we're moving to. We're not quite there yet because we have come from this um, historical practice of um, essentially studying on credit and hoping that students would eventually pay us with um, you know limited recourse if they didn't. We're really moving towards that uh, pay upfront model. And so certainly in the next few years, that's where we certainly hope to be landing, that your enrolment isn't completed until we've, one way or another you've sorted out your fees. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting, I find, that students um, have a bigger concern for cybersecurity. So just kind of want to see what your opinion is on that and, and how do you see that in students at CIT? And that's a very big concern for us as well. And in fact, we um, cybersecurity is one of our biggest, uh, most in-demand programs at the moment. Oh, wow. and it's certainly something that we we don't just teach we do practice here at CIT as well and you know it's a big concern for any organization when especially when you're handling sensitive personal information and any sure. educational institution certainly handles a lot of that so we're quite used to that but we don't want to expose ourselves as an organization or expose our students any more than we absolutely need to in that space and right. realistically speaking we don't want to handle payment information we don't want to handle people's credit card information ourselves. There's no value for us in hanging on to that or processing it ourselves. So right. what, what we'd rather do is pass that on to a third party, in this case, TouchNet, mm -hmm. and who's much got much more experience with the security and the compliance around that space. So where we're talking about PCI DSS, for example, we at CRT don't want to have to do that. Right. We don't necessarily have the expertise in that particular area. Uh, we don't have the expertise in managing that payment data. But TouchNet does. Yes. So by by using an external provider who's a specialist in that space, where we can pass the information, or the student, we don't even see that information, the student deals directly with them through the payment gateway, that cuts us out of the loop and that removes a big potential cybersecurity hole there in that process. And so by doing this, we can make sure that we've got the best and most secure experience for students. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you're right, with PCA compliance, I mean, Certainly always the school, you are uh, responsible for it, but probably easier to say, yes, I'm compliant because I'm using TouchNet in this way. Well, that's right. I mean, we actually had an audit um, just in the past few months on this where the government was looking at all their, the government agencies and all the government-owned organisations. Mm -hmm. What was your PCI DSS compliance and how, how were you in that? And obviously you've got anyone who's ever been with that process, it is quite an onerous process if you ever have to yes. demonstrate that compliance. But for us, it was really easy. We had um, we could demonstrate that we don't actually collect this data ourselves. He's TouchNet, that we, he's the online payment gateway partner, and he's their PCI compliance paperwork. And that was it. That was all good. That's so much easier than having to go through that process directly yourself. 
Absolutely, yes. I've seen those questionnaires and the questions that uh, have sub-questions and sub-questions of sub-questions. <laughs> That's right, yes. So anything that can save that paperwork is good for us. Absolutely. Well, gosh, you've really um, implemented a lot and you know made a lot of really good moves in terms of technology that you've invested in and the process that you've changed. So if there are other institutions really looking to modernize their payment systems, do you have any advice for them? I think really it's about forgetting what you've done in the past and forgetting what you're doing now and really looking at that future state, really concentrating on what the lived experience is in the marketplace. We know now that people everywhere have are used to online payments and online interactions. And really I say, look to that model. Look yeah. to your Amazon shopping cart, for example. That's the model that students want. It's got to be quick and easy and straightforward and, and not intrusive at all. It needs to be seamless and pain, painless and they can do it anytime, anywhere from the comfort of their home and not being forced to go through a specific process just because that's always the way that people have done it. So that would probably be my biggest piece of advice. Look, look to your future state and see what's out there and look to what people are used to because there are certainly solutions out there that can do that for you. I think that's great advice, Carl. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Uh, you know, I know everybody else as well as us love hearing about all the successes that you're having at CIT and with your digital transformation efforts. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Focus. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the business of higher education. For more information, check us out at touchnet.com.